0: And the day and time that we're living in, it's no secret that we are facing perilous times. We're living in perilous times. And there's a lot of storms and a lot of things that we don't understand that's going on in our lives. And it seems like it's hard to place one foot in front of the next sometimes. It's like everything that you have within you just to be able to keep going. And you've asked the Lord maybe to take this thing away as Paul did. Three different times he asked the Lord to take uh, what was uh, uh, hurting him, what was a thorn, if you will, in his flesh. But Jesus's answer to him was, as he said unto him in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. So most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Let me tell you tonight, His grace is sufficient. I don't understand why everything happens that happens. You've cried unto the Lord again and again and again. And it may seem like that He's not heard you, but let me tell you, He's heard you. And He's saying to you tonight, My grace is sufficient and maybe this song is ministered to you I know it has me Lord I need you more I need you more today than yesterday I'm going to need you more tomorrow than today because life is full of uncertainties life is full of ups and there's downs but there's one thing that will always remain constant in your life and that is the faithfulness of our Savior as I sing this one more time reach out to him let his spirit move in your heart as I know he's moving in here let him touch you in a way like only he can and say sing one more time father but we thank you we thank you lord that we're not down here in this life doing this on upon our own but lord you stick closer to us than a brother lord And lord no matter what it is that we may be going through lord you're always there for us lord god i can sing this song myself lord just for me lord i need you more lord i need you more now than ever before god Lord, it seems like the waves are crashing all around us. But Lord, I know that as long as you're in the boat, we're going to make it. And Lord, we hold claim unto your word, Lord. God, I pray touch your people, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, let our hearts cry out unto you, Lord, in desperation for more of you. Because God, you cannot be exhausted. And Lord, the more of you that we desire, the more of you that you will give. So, God, I pray, let that burn within our hearts, Lord, for more of you, God. Let us never become complacent, but, Lord, let us desire for more of you, God. And in return, Lord, you will pour out, God. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would meet every need, Lord, of the people that is watching right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, your blood has purchased it, Lord. We know you've already accomplished it. And I thank you that by faith tonight we can receive... Everything that it is that we need, Lord. God, we honor you and we praise you. And we say it all in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. We thank you again tonight. I don't know about you guys, but Lord, the presence of the Lord is in this house. When they were singing that song, how great is our God. Well, that was just swelling up all within me. He's great. He's greater than anyone and anything in this world. He's able to do far more greater and and the Bible says, exceedingly and abundantly above that which we can even ask or thank. And I don't know about you, but I'm not placing no limitations upon him. I'm just saying, Lord, have your way. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, and I trust and pray that you do, turn with us to the great book of Exodus. The great book of Exodus, the second book in the Old Testament, it's not hard to find. Um, and we'll be reading... Uh, quite a few verses of scripture tonight, uh, splitting them up, but it's uh, meant for a reason. Uh, so Exodus chapter 14, starting with the very uh, with verse 5, Exodus 14 verse 5. And again, we just want to extend our gratitude unto you guys that are watching, and uh, we are just uh, humbled at the fact that you would uh, take time out of your schedule to come in and worship with us, uh, and invite us into your homes and uh, I was thinking on the way home this morning from church, I'm like, three more weeks. And I'm ready for these three weeks to go by because I'm ready to see those that have already been here with us. We miss you guys. And also excited to meet the ones that have told us that they are coming. And I just know that from all of this craziness and this chaos that is going on, the Lord is still working. Amen. He's still working. He's still up on the throne. And it may not make sense to us, but God can take every bit of this and work it for His glory. And we believe that He will. And I just believe with everything within me that a revival is going to come like we have never seen before. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready. I'm ready. I said, Lord, pour it out here. Bring it here. But Lord, we got to first have it start right here within our own hearts. Exodus 14, verse 5. And we'll start reading right now. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took six hundred chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued. I want you to pay close attention to that word. And he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians, we see the word again, pursued. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea beside Pi uh, pi-heraroth uh, before Bezelophan. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord and they said unto Moses because there were no graves in Egypt have you taken us away to die in the wilderness wherefore have you dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt is not this the word that we did tell you in Egypt saying let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness and Moses said unto the people fear ye not stand still And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again, no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And if you'll turn to verse 24. Verse 24, and it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked upon the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud, and troubled the host of the Egyptians, and took off their chariot wheels, that they drove them heavily, So that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel. For the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea. That the waters may come again upon the Egyptians. Upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea. And the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Verse 28, the last verse. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, all of them, there remained not so much as one of them. That's a power. I know that seemed like a lot of Scripture, but it's a powerful portion of Scripture like that. And I want to take tonight and preach to you a message that the Lord laid strongly upon my heart Thursday morning in prayer. In fact, I was going in another direction and had already been making Uh, notes and was uh, planning out a message uh, that morning, had worked tirelessly on it, but in prayer, uh, just within the matter of minutes, the Lord brought me to this and opened this scripture, this passage of scripture up to me and told me that this is what he would have me to minister on, and uh, you may say, well, how do you know I, I trust the Lord, I know his voice, his sheep knows his voice, and he knew who would be watching tonight, and I believe that he's going to work in your heart and in your life, and so we want to preach a message tonight and simply entitled, pursued by the past pursued by the past let us go to the lord in prayer heavenly father lord we come to you again tonight in the name of your son jesus lord honored and privileged lord that we have this great uh, opportunity and privilege lord to come into your presence lord to to come into your sanctuary lord lord to be able to deliver the word lord god that you have laid upon our hearts lord we thank you first and foremost Lord, for the presence of the Lord that is here, God, because without your presence, we have nothing. Lord, we thank you for this morning, Lord, the work uh, that you have done in the hearts and lives of your people, God. Of the testimonies that have come in, of how it was a blessing to them. And Lord, I don't believe that we will ever know to the full extent down here, Lord, of what had taken place this morning. But God, you know. You know, Lord, and we thank you for it because your word is powerful. Lord, tonight, God, we would ask, Lord, that you would anoint us one more time, Lord. God, without your anointing, Lord, we are nothing. Lord, without your anointing, Lord, all efforts are in vain. But, God, your anointing makes the difference. Lord, we would ask, Lord, that you would help us to preach, to teach your word, Lord. And that, God, not only would you anoint us to deliver, but, Lord, anoint those that would hear the word. Lord, anoint their hearts right now, God. Remove every distraction. Remove every hindrance, Lord, that the enemy would desire to bring by their way, Lord. And, Lord, give them attention and focus, Lord, tonight upon your word, Lord. And, God, we believe that, God, you will move mightily in the hearts and lives of your people. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen and amen. Again, this is a familiar passage of Scripture to the child of God. That has been serving the Lord for any length of time. I know myself have heard that several messages preached, and one common that is preached from this course, this uh, uh, portion of Scripture, is stand still, fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. and And that is a wonderful message, all within its own. And if it's ever been a time, right now, uh, that we need to stand still and not fear, it's right now. I believe that's what He's saying to the church: fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. But when one is saved and has given their heart to Jesus, one instantly becomes a target for the enemy. I was uh, called one time a couple of years ago after an individual had given their heart to the Lord. And that particular day was the greatest day of their life as they just felt that burden lifted off of their heart. As they uh, felt the peace of God rush into them, as, as they knew that they had been taken from darkness and into light. And it was the most joyous day, as it always will be the most glad day in any uh, life of the believer, is the day that they gave their heart to Jesus Christ. But it wasn't long after that, within a matter of a couple of weeks, I received a phone call from this individual and said, I don't understand what's going on. And I spoke to this individual and I said, What do you mean? He said, Well, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ and it was the best feeling, but I've got more problems now than I ever had before. And I chuckled to myself and I said, welcome to the family. <laughs> because I knew because of serving the Lord in any length of time, you know uh, that after serving the Lord, not long after giving your heart to Jesus Christ, that that's when the attacks of the enemy began to come full force, Amen. And the attacks were coming against this individual and said, I don't understand. I thought everything was supposed to get better because there wasn't much knowledge uh, of, of really what, how Christianity comes about and stuff. He just said, I believe in Jesus Christ and accepting, and he got saved. And then I began to explain to him that the fight has only now begun and that the enemy has come against you as it's coming against every child of God for one reason and one reason only and that is to rob us, to steal us of our faith. He wants to do everything that he can and is trying everything that he can even now more than ever before to get Christians to just give up because he knows his days are numbered. He knows that the Lord is soon to return. And he's doing everything that he can to try to attack the church from within and also from without to try to get us to quit believing to just let it all go and just go on back to that old life of what they were singing about. But I need you more, Lord. I need you more than yesterday. And excuse me one second. My phone is uh, making funny noises, so I forgot to turn it down. Okay. There we go. Excuse me. Technical difficult. But anyway, so I instructed this individual, again, that, that the fight that they had uh, was now, again, nothing compared to what they had before. But to not be uh, alarmed. And not be dismayed because he had one that was there with him. The one that was going to walk beside of him. They didn't say, okay, I've saved you. Now go out and do this all by yourself. No, you've got a helper, amen. And that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit that aids us and guides us and comforts us in this life. And see, the fact is that everyone in life is going to face problems storms, trials, but the difference between the child of God and the one who is lost is that we, as saved individuals, have one that is sticking by, us, by our side. You may be, those that are lost and undone may say, well, I've got a lot of friends. But let me tell you, when the tough gets going and the going gets tough, as that old saying says, you will look at many times and find that you are left all by yourself. Because you cannot put your 100% confidence in any man that will stick close by your side through any and everything that you go through in life. Have a bunch of failures and you will find out real quick who really means business and who really going to stick by your side. But you've got one in Christ Jesus that said he would stick closer than a brother that ain't going to leave you no matter what it is that you go through. No matter the falls that you have in life, he's there to pick us up. Back up, Amen. He'll go with us to the end of his li- of this life, and those words just keep uttering in my. soul. And my heart, and I believe it is to many individuals uh, within within the Christendom, is that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. He's not leaving us and he's not forsaking us. Friends may come and friends will go. Family will come and family will go. You may be forsaken by even your own family, but there's one who will never forsake you and his name is Jesus. So we all know the story that the children of Israel have been in captivity have been in captivity. These were God's people that were in captivity up underneath Pharaoh. And God raised up Moses to go before him and command him and say, Moses, you go before him and command Pharaoh to let my people go. And we all know the story that Moses had to go before Pharaoh and it was seven times in proclamation that he went before him and said let my people go. And we know that God ended up having to send ten plagues to Egypt which ended up being ten miracles at the same time. There's nobody that is as great as our God as they were singing about. Who else but our God could take ten plagues and at the same time use them as ten miracles? Nobody else can do that but God. Nobody. And so he would take these ten plagues and, and to, to try to get Egypt to wake up and show that he meant business. And it wasn't until that the firstborn throughout the camp of Egypt was smoted and died before Pharaoh would finally let him go. You see, the children of Israel was saved from this death, though. See, the miracle was in all of this is as the death angel went by and the firstborn of all houses were killed, the miracle was because of those that were saved, those that were in the house with the blood applied at the doorposts were saved. Their children didn't die. It was only the children of, of, of Egypt. Exodus 12 and 13 said, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, When I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. You see, it's always been the blood and it will always be the blood of Jesus Christ that saves. Nothing else and nothing less was demanded by God to the children of Israel. All they had to do was just apply the blood and stay in the house and they were safe. And as long as they stayed in the house, they were safe from it. It's the same way today. As long as we stay in the house, as long as we continue to anchor our faith in Christ and what he has done, we are saved. You know, right now with what all we got going on, they're telling everybody to hunker down and to stay in and you'll be safe. Let me tell you something. Uh, Staying in is not 100% proof from what they're saying you'll get. But if you'll stay in the house, I said if you'll stay in the house, if you'll stay in Jesus and you'll abide in the vine, you're going to be 100% safe and secure, amen? Because there's never been one who died, spiritually speaking, who was protected by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not one. Not one, amen? And so Exodus twelve thirty three said, and the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste for they said, we all be dead men. And when I read this verse, I could just picture it that when this happened, they finally realized there's one that's fighting for Israel. And they said, we better get rid of them. You better get them out of here right now because if we don't, we're everyone going to be dead. And buddy, I chuckled in a way when I read it because that's the way that I want it to happen when I come upon the scene. When I walk in, I want the devil to tremble. I want him to see me coming and go, my God, there's him again. And I want him to run. Not because of me, but because of the one that I represent. Because of the one that is in me, and I'm in him, amen? You see, the devil should tremble when we walk around because he knows that we're carrying the power of Almighty God. You see, your defense is not in anything that you do, but it's in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You see, that's the kind of soldiers that we need to be for the Lord. One that makes hell tremble. One that the devil can't stand. One that the power of God flows through and literally shakes the gates of hell. That's the kind of a soldier that I want to be for the Lord. One that his power can flow through and that, that makes hell tremble. Amen. So again, we find in this portion of Scripture that we read that as they were on their journey, as they left out of there, God had just brought them out of Egypt. They went out of there with the high hand. They, everyone went out of there healed with all of the silver, all of the gold. They went out of there. Man, they were on cloud nine, headed for ten. They went out of there. They were surely out praising the Lord for what He had done. And then all of a sudden, God would change the course of their direction and led them to the wilderness. You see, a lot of times we don't understand why we've been brought to the wilderness. But see, we need to be reminded that that wilderness experience that God has brought us to has been designed by God for us to go to. And it's for the reason and the sole reason only to teach us trust and obedience in His leading and in His guidance. Because many times God sees what is ahead for us that we are not necessarily ready for. And to keep us from destruction, he will lead you to the wilderness. Let me remind you tonight that he will never lead you to the wilderness to die. He will never lead you to the wilderness to die, but He will always lead you to the wilderness so that you will will, will trust the Lord, so that it will build you up in faith, so that you will learn to be obedient to Him. It won't make sense to you a lot of times. And you'll feel in that wilderness experience like God is a thousand miles away. But again, as I just said before, God has not left you. He's right there in the wilderness. He's there on top of the mountain, and He's there right there when you're in the valley. Amen? But in the wilderness, he will supply every need. And there in the wilderness is when we learn more of the faithfulness of God. I don't learn about the faithfulness of God when everything's going good as much as I do when I'm in the wilderness. Because it's in the wilderness where we grow the most, amen? And we should all desire as Christians to grow. But in order for that growth to take place, there has to be a purging. There has to be times of leading to the wilderness. Even Jesus himself was led into the wilderness. And if Jesus himself was led into the wilderness, what makes you and I think that we're going to escape the wilderness? But it's there we learn to look to the Lord for him to show us his, his power and, to, and his faithfulness to us. So we read in the beginning of the portion of scripture that Pharaoh got mad and he began to question, why in the world did we let him go? Now see, you got to understand that through foreknowledge, God knew that Pharaoh was going to come after them. And he thought that what a perfect opportunity God did to perform a double miracle. He thought, I'm not going to just perform one miracle, I'm going to perform Two miracles, a double miracle. So, Pharaoh, we know, gathered all of his chariots, and the Bible says that he had 50,000 horsemen and 200,000 footmen, and all the chariots were in hot pursuit of the children of Israel. I mean, I cannot imagine, you know, seeing 50,000 horsemen, 200,000 footmen, all of these cherries. Here they were coming in, about 3 million Israelites, and here they were in hot pursuit of them. Everything was going good. They were on their journey there with the Lord, and then all of a sudden, the Lord changed their course of direction, led them to the wilderness. Pharaoh seen it as an opportunity to come in and to destroy, and to come in and try to annihilate them, and they would seen them coming from the back, and they thought, my god what in the world is going on and all of a sudden they began to complain now how many times as we as christians like that everything's going good we're good but when things start to go to getting a little bit rough we begin to go grumbling and complaining god had just performed a miracle for them 10 miracles led them out of egyptian bondage and yet here it was Pharaoh and all of his army in hot pursuit of them. And yet all of a the sudden, they, it, that, every bit of that what had just taken place had left their mind. How quick we forget how God has moved for us in the past. How quick we forget of the ways that he's moved in our life and the miracles that he's done. How quick do we forget of what he has delivered us out of because the greatest miracle still in today's time is not healing one of cancer. It's not bringing the dead back to life. But the greatest miracle today is when a sinner says yes to Jesus Christ. That is the greatest miracle that will ever be. So these Israelites again were on their merry way and now they see the pursuit of the Egyptians and it was hard. You see, what was in their past tried to come back and kill them and destroy them and rob them of the freedom that God had granted unto them. Let me tell you, God, when He saved your soul, He granted you freedom. He delivered you out of the iniquity, out of the sin, and out of every bondage that you were in. And He told you, go and sin no more because He had not only taken the penalty of sin away, but He had also destroyed the powers of darkness. No longer was you in captivity to the bond no longer was you in captivity to the sin but you have been free but guess what the enemy says oh no you're not going to get away that quick I'm coming back for you because I want to bring you back into bondage just like Pharaoh wanted to do to the children of Israel. That's the way the enemy does with you and I. We got saved. We said yes to Jesus Christ. God broke everything off of our lives. He done it all. God don't do a halfway work. He didn't take away 80% of the things. No. He broke the bondage of every single thing. But we know as believers there will be times of the, of the clinging vines of the fall if you will. A lot of things fall off of our lives. But then there's other things that want to tend to hang on to us. But just because they're hanging on don't mean that the power... Power of it hadn't already been destroyed. The power of every sin was handled at Calvary. And the day that you said yes to Jesus, every chain of bondage that was upon you was destroyed right then and right there. And he said, now go free. But then you're walking free, high-handed out just like the children of Israel walking out of Egypt. Man, this is good. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And then all of a sudden we turn our back and we see the pursuit of the enemy saying, not so fast, I'm going to try to bring you back. That's what happens in the life. We're pursued by the past that wants to entangle us again in yoke and in bondage. John ten ten says, "The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly." You see, Satan wants nothing more but to destroy you and rob you of what God has done for you and ultimately kill you. And when we say kill and when we say destroy, we're not talking about just in the physical. He would like to do that. But keep in mind, child of God, that if he could do that, you would have already been dead. But you've got a hedge of protection around you. I said, you've got a hedge of protection around you. And I remember hearing it from a family member one time. The bloodline's been drawn, and he can't come across that bloodline. He can huff and pump, but he can't blow the house down. He can throw darts. He can throw stuff. He can do all of that stuff. But me, I look at it as i got an invisible shield all the way around me. He can't take you down because you're protected by God. Amen? You're protected by the blood. But he wants you to quit believing and to bring you back. Back into captivity, again, where Jesus had brought you out of. You see, he's pursuing you to stop your pursuit of Him. He's pursuing you so he can stop your pursuit of him. He don't like it when you're growing. And grace and a knowledge of Jesus Christ. He don't like it to see you pursuing the Lord and marching towards and for that prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. He don't like that. So he wants to, he's going to pursue you. I'm going to come after everything that I can to stop your pursuit of the Lord. So these Israelites lifted up their eyes, and again they seen the Egyptians. And what happens when you turn your eyes from looking forward and back to the past? They became sore. Afraid, and the Bible says that they cried unto the Lord. And again, you wouldn't have thought that these Israelites would have been afraid of the Egyptians that were in pursuit of them. But let me tell you that before we judge them, and it's so easy to read stories in the Bible, and we think, well, I would have never done that. You don't know what you would have done. And I be- beg her to say that if you've seen uh, 50,000 uh, uh, horsemen and 200,000 uh, fo- footmen. And a bunch of chariots coming in. But I kind of would say the fear would rise up within you too. We're no better than them. We read of what they went through. But remember, many here in the Bible, they went through. They didn't have the word of God like we do. So again, they, they were afraid. And the problems that the Israelites is the same problem that exists with us today. The problem was they had taken their eyes off of Jehovah. We take our eyes off of Jesus and off of his finished work. And we began to put them on the circumstances that are surrounding us, that are all around us. And I can tell you that when you do this, the same result that came to the Israelites will come to you and my And that is fear. Because we forget what God has done. We've taken our eyes off of the provision. And all of a sudden the spirit of fear begins to rise within us. And we tend to fall apart and think that this is it. And again we begin to grumble and complain and cry out unto the Lord. uh, But not in help but in fear. So we should be crying unto the Lord for help. Lord I need you more. More today than yesterday. More than the air I breathe. We should be crying unto Him for help. Help to be able to face the state that is before us. But our cry shouldn't be in fear of the enemy. Because again, we are covered. We are one of His. The enemy cannot do to us what the Lord does not allow. The calamities, the problems, the storms that you face. uh, You need to be reminded that if He led you to it, He'll see you through it. Nothing catches God by surprise. And everything that comes your way, again, God has allowed it. But as I said after them singing that song, His grace is sufficient. First John 4 and 4 says you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. How is it that he can say you have overcome now? It ain't you that it's overcome. It's the one that you're in and it's Christ Jesus. And because you're in Christ Jesus, we are now made overcomers. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he, Jesus Christ, that is within you than he that is in this world. Amen. So they wanted to turn around and they wanted to go back to Egypt, these Israelites, where God had just brought them from. And let me tell you tonight, that going back to Egypt is not an option. That's not God's way for you to go back into bondage. You see, the problem is there's too many that are comfortable in Egypt, but again, it's not God's way. We should not be comfortable in bondage. He's come to give us an abundant life. He's come to allow us to live in overflow. And hear me, He's only given us the first fruits, but the first fruits is enough to have abundant life. It's not God's will for you to be in captivity. It's not God's will for you to be in bondage. You are His child. We should not be in bondage to the enemy. But so many find themselves there because of not understanding what took place for them at Calvary. There is a lack of understanding of what took place the day that they said yes to Jesus. The knowledge of salvation has only went as far as I said, Lord, I'm sorry, I repented of my sins, He saved my soul and I see it. But you need to understand that there was a whole lot more done at Calvary than just saving your soul. He broke the powers of darkness so that you don't have to be in bondage anymore but that you can go free. That you can live an abundant life. My God, I want to enjoy everything that He's died to give me. I want every benefit that flows from Calvary. I don't want to walk around bound and chained, and I'm on my way to heaven and bound. No, I want my hands lifted up. I want to walk free from the captivity, from that bondage. Because He's died. He shed His blood so that we can have it. We should be reaping it. We should be walking in it. So the Israelites thought that they had one of two options. Their options they thought was either die in the wilderness or go back to Egypt. Quit and give up or go back to being a slave to the enemy and in bondage. And again, that's not God's way. Quitting on God is never an option. Nor should it be, I'm just going to surrender and I'm just going to accept that this is just the way that it's always going to be. And too many Christians are thinking that. They love the Lord with everything within them. They love the Lord with all of their heart. But they are in bondage and they have accepted that this is the way it's going to be because they feel like I've tried everything that I know to do. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. And see, that's the problem. You've tried. Because you don't have to try to do anything. It's already been done. It's already been handled at Calvary. You need to start living by faith. Faith in Christ and what he has done and maintain it there and not move it there and realize and allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life and he will reveal to you and make known to you more of what was done at Calvary. I know from experience, I know what it was to be in bondage and love the Lord with everything within me. And I could not understand, but I realized and I heard that it was faith anchored in Christ and Christ alone that brought deliverance and brought victory. And even though it didn't maybe come right off the bat, I didn't give up because something inside of me, the Holy Spirit, bore witness with me and said, This is it. Keep your faith anchored there. And before I knew it, the bondage was gone. It was broken. Because I didn't move my faith from Christ what he has done. And let me tell you, if we don't keep our faith in Christ and what he's done, we will find ourselves slipping right back into bondage. Because the enemy desires to bring you back. Because he's in hot pursuit of you each and every single day to bring you back into bondage. So again, there is another another alternative and that alternative is the cross of Jesus Christ because faith in Christ is what led you out to begin with and it's going to be faith in Christ and His finished work that leads you out every time thereafter. Verse 14 said, And Moses said unto the prophet, The Lord is saying the same to you and I today. Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show you today. He didn't say I'll show it to you tomorrow. He said I'm going to show it to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Because what he was getting ready to do was going to be a complete work. What Christ did at Calvary was and is a complete work. And the bondage that may be there in your life today, he is saying to you today, fear not, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord for the Egyptians that you see today. He's going to show you today that you're not going to see them no more forever. If you will anchor your faith in christ and what he has done at calvary we could be free from the bondage today you don't have to wait till tomorrow you don't have to wait till next week or next month today he desires to show you and to do so again he's not god has always told us not to fear because he has already went before us and conquered every demon Every trial and every storm. And when I was preparing this message, I was thinking in imagery in my mind is Jesus is before us and we're to follow after him. And in that straight and narrow path, and Jesus goes before us and I look at it as there are traps, there's booby traps, landmines, bear claws, all of this stuff that the enemy, <laughs> they're laughing at me in case you don't hear them. All of these traps that the enemy has set before me. But because Jesus has already went before me. I said because Jesus has already went before me. As I'm following him on this journey. He deactivates He dissembles every attack that the enemy has set for me and I can follow in behind him and I don't have to fear because he's already went before me and he's already deactivated. He's already disarmed. He's already put away what the enemy had there to trap me and to destroy me. It only comes from following Jesus. Amen. Uh, Stand still. Again, we don't want to stand still, but rather fight the enemy ourselves or run. The children of Israel, I'm sure, wanted to fight because of that knee-jerk reaction that comes within us. I'm going to fight the enemy. But all of a sudden, they found themselves looking to the left and looking to the right. Where are you going to go now? Because it's either die there in the wilderness or it's either turn around. And go back into bondage, which we said is not, the, is not a choice. See the salvation of the Lord. Because it's all of Him and none of us. Because the work that He did at Calvary was 100% of Him and none of us. Amen. But I love what it says that the Egyptians you see today, you won't see them again anymore forever. And what he's saying here is the enemies that you're dealing with today, you will be seeing again, but the next time you see them, it won't be like before where it looks like they're going to have the victory, but rather you will see them and you're going to have the victory. Because don't get me wrong, God was set you free he has given you the victory and the deliverance from every captivity of every bondage the day that you said yes to Jesus but you're still going to fight some Egyptians or you're rather still going to see the Egyptians in pursuit of you but you don't have to fear them now you can view them and not be scared because you say I've got the victory In Christ Jesus. Because they're in hot pursuit of you each and every single day doing all that they can to try to bring you back. But now you don't have to be in fear. But rather you look at them and you're not afraid whatsoever. You don't even have to say no to them. You're saying yes to Jesus and you're walking in victory. Amen. So instead of you having to submit to them, they're going to have to submit to you because of the one who you are in. Boy, I like that. They're going to submit to you, not you to them because of the one that you you represent. Because every knee shall bow, the Bible says, one day. That means the devil himself and every demon spirit, every power, they're all going to bow down. And so there again, they've got to submit to you because you're saying, like David said, you come against me with the spirit of sword and every other thing, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. So we need to let the work of Calvary not only work for us, but also work in us. You see, salvation, justification is him fighting for us, while sanctification is him fighting in us. You see, his finished work at Calvary was enough for salvation, but it was also equally enough for our sanctification. One completed work was all it took to bring us a multitude of benefits. One completed work was enough to bring a multitude of benefits to us. He didn't have to go and do it again and do all kinds of things. No, one completed work, his death on Calvary, brought to us a pile, a multitude of benefits for us to reap in our walk with him. So we know the story. Jesus says, go forward. As grace will always tell you to go forward. Amen. And he was getting ready to receive honor from the children of Israel. As well as the Egyptians. The work he was fixing to do was going to leave both parties involved. In awe of his miraculous power. It wasn't going to be just the children of Israel. But it was also get ready to leave the Egyptians. In awe of the miraculous power of almighty God. You see one act of obedience from Jesus. Was all it took to bring to us everything that we would need. One act of obedience from us is all it takes to receive everything that we will ever need so the act on both ends is the same submission to his will as Jesus submitted to the will of the father that it brought the benefits to us our submission unto his will and unto his way helps us and enables us to receive his benefits so he tells Moses stretch out your hand over the sea divide it because y'all are getting ready to walk on dry ground now I'm sure that there were many, if they would have heard it, not sure, the Bible doesn't say to walk on dry ground, they would have said, you're out of your mind. But he says, stretch out your hand, I'm getting ready to uh, perform a miracle. And when they done it, the Bible, and it alludes to it that the, the rivers, uh, this water didn't begin to separate until they took their first step of faith. Because had the waters already separated and was already done, it would not have been a walk of faith, it would have been a walk by sight. But it was a walk of faith. The Lord told them to go forward, stretch out your hand. This is what I'm going to do. And upon the step of faith, the waters begin to divide. And as they continue, and I can't go out of the range of the camera. You won't see me. As, I, as they continue to take every step, the waters just begin to unroll. And I mean, I just cannot imagine seeing 20 to 40 feet deep of water just roll back like this. There are three million of Israelites were getting ready to be led out. And let me tell you, if he can lead three million out of Egypt, he can lead you and I out tonight. If he can lead that many out, he can lead you and I out tonight. So Moses again was obedient unto him. So it took all night, I'm sure, for three million of Israelites to walk out on dry ground. This ground what muddy they didn't have to sit in their foot and sloth. No, they walked on dry ground. Another miracle within itself. Because again, when God does it, He does it all the way. And there, the, 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 uh, uh, the, the Lord kept the Egyptians off all night. As the children of Israel were able to go through. He didn't say they had to run through. He said they had to walk through. Because He was holding the Egyptians back. And there as every one of the Israelites went across, the Bible then says that the Egyptians started coming in and they were again in pursuit of them and thought that they had them right where they wanted them. But see, the Red Sea had been divided. Now I want to show you what the Lord was showing me that night. You may have known it, but for me, I did. And it was glorious a Thursday morning when he showed me. But the Red Sea that he used, As the method of victory for the children of Israel, he also turned around and used for the defeat of the Egyptians. The cross of Christ that he used to save our soul and to bring us victory was also the instrument that he used to defeat every power of darkness the Red Sea, hear me again tonight because it bears repeating the Red Sea that he used to make a way for the children of Israel to go out to escape bondage, to escape the, 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 the pursuit of their past, the pursuit of the Egyptians he opened it up, he made the way possible for them to walk on dry ground, every single one of them went through, every one of them that went through was safe and then here came the Egyptians, the Lord allowed them to come in and all of the Suddenly, the wheels fell off they were stuck oh god I better run back but oh no they didn't get to get back and try to be a nuisance of somebody else but then the waters came on down just as the cross of Christ is the instrument that God used to make a way of escape for you and I he also used as an instrument to defeat every power of darkness and let me tell you he conquered them at Calvary they were annihilated at Calvary. They were destroyed at Calvary. Colossians two fourteen and 15 says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them open, triumphing over them in it. You see, Pharaoh thought he had the upper hand that night and again thought victory was for sure. The enemy thinks that he's got the upper hand. He thinks that he can keep you in bondage, but he don't want you to know. He don't want us to know that we were given victory. Our deliverance, our victory from bondage, the captivity that he once had us sin was also at Calvary when we gave our heart to Jesus Christ and received the forgiveness of sins. So when we place our faith in Christ and what he has done, not only is it made a way for us to walk in victory, but the reason why we can walk in victory is because the powers of darkness have been destroyed to where they can no longer hold you in bondage. You see, what he used to save the children of Israel, he used to destroy the Egyptians. What he used to save your soul, the blood of Jesus Christ, he used to destroy the powers of darkness. And my God, that's enough to make you want to shout, amen? So we don't have to walk around in bondage. We don't have to be bound by drugs. We don't have to be bound by alcohol. You'd be surprised the many people that are Christians love the Lord, and yet they can't tell they're bound by alcohol. Let me tell you, a lot of people would throw them out and say, there's no way they could be saved. Oh yes, they can be saved. Just like you are saved and you might be judging them because they're having a struggle with something. So they don't have to be bound by drugs or alcohol or cigarettes or pornography or jealousy or unforgiveness. Or bitterness or malice and all of these things that we don't necessarily like to think of. But yes, they rob us of the benefits. They rob us of that abundant life. But we can walk in victory because of what He's done at Calvary. No fighting has to be done. Just simply walk by faith. Walk across that Red Sea. Walk believing in Christ and what He's done. That it was a completed work. That it was a finished work. And see the victory played out in your life. That where we can walk every day victorious over sin, over the flesh, and over the world. He died so that we can have it. I don't have to be bound by anxiety. I don't have to be bound by fear. so many Christians are bound by anxiety and by fear. Let me tell you, He won the victory. He won the victory for us to have peace of mind. Amen? Amen. As we stand our feet in here, whatever the need may be tonight, we trust and believe and pray That the Word that went forth, that God has taken it and showed it to you and opened it up to you to where you can see you don't have to walk in defeat any longer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the Word that went forth. And God, we thank you, Lord, for what you did for us at Calvary. And right now, God, Lord, every child of God that is struggling with something in their life, Lord, they love you with all of their heart. And God, they've cried unto you time and time and time again. But Lord, you have showed them tonight that the answer for which they're seeking is found in the cross. Lord, the blood that you poured out on Calvary, Lord, was not only to save our soul, but Lord, to free us from every power of darkness to where now your word says that Romans 6, 14 sin shall not have dominion over you God and Lord right now I pray that you sit that Lord you move in the hearts of your people God and that Lord the bondages that are there Lord that they would be broken right now and that Lord victory would come their way Lord that they would know that they've already been made an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb Lord we thank you Lord that we are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb because Lord you're great and greater is you that is within us than he that is in the world Lord God, I pray, Lord, that we walk in that abundant life and that victory, Lord, each and every single day that you have died to give, Lord, and that, God, our desire, Lord, would be to pursue you, Lord, and even though the past will try to pursue us and try to bring us back to where you delivered us from, Lord, I pray, God, let us not fear, but, Lord, let us keep our eyes on you, Lord, knowing that, God, if we will follow after you, Knowing, God, that if we will go your way, Lord, God, you will enable us, Lord, and we will walk in victory, Lord. God, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you, Lord, for what you have done in this house and what you've done in the hearts of your people, Lord. And we give you all the praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.